Okay, Zach, so you know what the hardest part about starting a podcast is? Or maybe I should ask you this. From your perspective, what is the hardest part about starting this podcast? Oh, man. I think it's all the people who want to be guest speakers. <laughs> I mean, when they hear how successful of a podcast is and how much your mother enjoys our podcast, they're like, well, can I be on it? That's got to yeah. easily be the hardest part. Yeah, I know. We did just turn down the duo of Nicki Minaj and Joe Biden. So, yeah, yeah. it's it's been tough. The wait list is long. Yeah. From my perspective, the hardest part about starting a podcast is picking the theme song. Oh, interesting. I mean, if you look online at free music, because let's be real, this podcast makes no money. Um, Probably negative money, actually, yeah, according yeah. to my wife. Yeah. yeah. The free music out there is all pretty bad, or, or it sounds like it's the advertisement background music to like a really <laughs> generic Amazon ad. It's that's awesome. just That's just not how I want to start the podcast. I want to start the podcast with something fun, something like the song that plays in Finding Nemo when they go down like into the deep part of the ocean, but not like the super deep part. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the camera. Is that when pulls Ellen out? DeGeneres is singing, like just keeps swimming like that part. I've, I yeah, can't maybe. remember that movie. Yeah. Cool. I think, I think, I think I've that seen that movie right. once and then never again. I thought it was just an okay movie. Oh, that is, that's a different conversation topic. Finding Nemo is probably in my, it's definitely in my top five animated movies and it might, it might really? be in my top five movies. I love Finding Nemo. Is it because you have a speech impediment and seeing a fish overcome <laughs> its physical disabilities to get to its goals was inspiring to you? Yes, exactly. That's also why <laughs> it was really hard for me to turn down Joe Biden coming on the podcast. <laughs> a man for the people. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Cole and Zach in the Morning. I'm Cole, here with my buddy Zach, and we are going to talk about movies. So, Zach... You saw a movie this summer that you were really excited to talk about. What uh, is that? Yes. I, okay. So Oppenheimer came out this summer. Great. Incredible movie. I thought it was very well done. I am not a big movie buff. I'm not one of those guys that like knows everything about movies or like really listens to scores in movies or anything mm. like that. I'm not like you. You have your whole, you know, movie rating Twitter. Yeah. In-depth uh, reviews. In very in-depth reviews. I just downloaded a letterbox the other day and mm. I'm enjoying it a lot. I think it'll be helpful for me to get more into movies. Here's a pro tip. Don't call it the letterboxed. Let's check. I got to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> how to be cool notes. So yeah, I thought, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really, I never would have sat there and go, oh, I really love Christopher Nolan movies. But then when I went back and looked, I'm like, oh, I actually really do like Christopher Nolan movies. Like I love The Dark Knight. There's just mm -hmm. some things he's done that I've really enjoyed. So I guess he's kind of one of my favorite directors, if anything. So mm -hmm. I really like that movie. I can't wait to see it again when subtitles come out. I'm a big subtitle guy when watching movies. Mm -hmm. And of course, that movie's just like purely dialogue. So yeah. I'm excited for that. But I was really anticipating that movie quite a bit, especially after I saw that Robert Downey Jr. thought that that was the best movie he's ever been a part of. And I'm like, well, I really like a lot of Robert Downey Jr. movies, so I got to love this movie. So I, my anticipation was high. My expectation was high. And it met both of those. Like, I am not was not disappointed in that movie whatsoever. However, the day before I saw Oppenheimer, Jackie and I went and saw Barbie. Mm -hmm. And I had no expectation for that. And I had zero anticipation. And I thought it was magnificent. Yeah, that's another it great It was movie. probably... 
easily top 10 favorite movie all time for me. Wow. I, yes, I really, really enjoyed it. I love Ryan Gosling. He's one of my favorite actors. I love him in La La Land. I thought Mar- Margot Robbie did really, really well. I think I there's such a star-studded cast. I thought the music was good to it. I really, really loved it. I was surprised by the storyline. However, Cole, come to find out, it feels like liking Barbie is somewhat of a statement nowadays. And that was just something I was not anticipating when I was expressing my opinion. Yeah, I really liked it as well. I thought it, I thought the story was great. The set design was so fun. It was, mm. I don't know, it's just like a fun summer movie with a positive message. But yeah, going into it, I had the same exp- exposure, I guess, to people that were very anti-Barbie. Mm. And I, I just don't get it. Like, it has such a positive, uplifting message mm. that I, I just don't see where, where the hate comes from. I don't either. And, I don't, and to be honest, Cole, I think, quite honestly, it made me like the movie a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like a rebellious spirit in me, or, or I just don't really give credibility to some of the big voices who are like, this movie is teaching your kids about Satan or whatever, you know, or like anti-God or whatever, those kind of like random or like it hates men. And it's just one of those things where I just, I didn't feel that. I didn't ever sit there and go, oh, this isn't something I would never want my kids to watch. Or I never felt degraded as a guy within that movie. Like, especially I think at the end, spoiler alert, here you go for those people who haven't seen it. Just go see it. Okay. But at the end, they're like trying to figure out if men should have any roles in Barbie land or any power in Barbie land. And they're like, can we at least be one of the justices? And they're like, well, we'll give you one on a lower court and maybe you can work your way up. And I think some people kind of will be like, oh, see, it's not equal. It's not true equality. It's women rule all. But it's like, no, if we look at the history of women becoming influential within society, it started with that kind of stuff. It started with you only get one very, very low, and then you had to work all the way up. And so I think it was kind of pointing at the irony of it. And Um, also, it's Barbie land. Like, it's like this is not Barbie (laughs) land does not have to be a place of equality because it is, by definition, a land for Barbie. So that's so funny. I just thought it was so interesting. And what I really appreciate about the movie is in your point of it's Barbie land, Barbie is the most important aspect of this even margot robbie's barbie when being confronted by ryan gosling's ken in not feeling valued or heard or cared about she apologized Mm -hmm. and there was some true reconciliation there where they both kind of came to this table and said you know what we both did some things that was not helpful to each other not empowering to each other not caring for each other let's correct that And so that was the moment in the movie where I was sitting there going, okay, is it going to be one of those things where they're going to make Ryan Gosling's character just apologize and him be the only one that did something wrong? And not that I sat there and went like, I think Margot Robbie was completely in the wrong. I think there's a certain level of ignorance that Barbies had to how they were treating the men around them. And they owned up to that. Mm -hmm. And I think when we look at the greater of society, part of the difficulty when it comes to like, I'm just going to take this deep dive into like, say, when it comes to reparations for people of color, there's this, well, I didn't do it or it was not me. Why do we need to apologize or do anything? But it's also like this recognition of it's okay if in ignorance, if out, if out of I did not know, 
there was hurt. But now when things come to light, there is respect in apologizing and seeking reconciliation as best as you can and what you can do. Mm. Yeah. Prioritizing reconciliation over figuring out who is truly responsible for the pain. I think this kind of goes into a conversation of when someone is hurt by something we've done, is it something that we need to apologize for, even though we didn't do it on purpose? I think we just have to start at this first step of, wait, I did something or I said something that hurt them. Yeah. So by definition, I hurt them. Not what knowingly or unknowingly, on purpose or not on purpose. But that still falls, there's a little bit of responsibility at the very least that falls into our lap of, okay, if I'm going to reconcile this relationship with this person, I have to do something. I have the next step. And I think that's where we see when Ryan's Ken goes, hey, you did this and Barbie being like, yeah, but kind of here's why. But also, you know, what? I did hurt you. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was really, really cool. But I didn't really plan for this conversation to get that deep into this movie. No, I just I just really, really liked it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. I was a little bit worried because like and when I went to see it, I was the only guy in the theater <laughs> and I wasn't worried in the beginning of it. It wasn't like, oh, my word, like my manlyhood is going to be questioned. Like I showed up in a pink shirt. Like Jackie and I like wore pink. We went to it. It made going to Oppenheimer the next day a little bit difficult because we didn't know what to wear for that. <laughs> <laughs> but we just wore regular clothing, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, but I, when I was leaving the theater and I thought how great the movie was, I was like, Oh my word. Why, why weren't there more guys here? I hope that's, I hope guys are seeing this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really enjoyed the movie. I think the most, I think what surprised me most about seeing this movie is how much like my wife responded to it. And that was a conversation that her and I kind of followed like later on was how much it meant to her to kind of, to see that. Of course, there's America Ferreira's monologue, right? At kind of this climax of the, of the movie or, or the rising action of the movie and inspiring the Barbies to do something and stand up for themselves and like seeing my wife after the movie kind of break down line by line how what that meant to her and stuff. So I th I think it was fun. And given I don't think every movie needs to have like some underlying message that we all need to walk out of. I, at the end of the day, it was still just at the very least a super fun movie. Oh, yeah. Total blockbuster. Great experience. Yeah. Awesome songs and oh, a great yeah. message. Like it, it's it's yeah. the full package. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And like for those who didn't like it. I'm not sitting there going like, oh, it's because of a political alignment or anything like that. Not at all. There's just, I mean, there are just movies that people don't like. I just find it really funny when people don't like it because of maybe certain political line items. It's created some great conversation with people I work with, people I know, and their thoughts on it. And like some of them have had some really well-formed thoughts of why they didn't like it. And I've appreciated those. And it was really, and like those were fun to hear. Some of the sometimes, I mean, like more on the social media end, I see people with like really uninformed thoughts. They're just like, oh, I hate feminism. You know? And it's like, yeah. oh, well, good for you. Like, <laughs> yeah. But speaking of opinions, should we get into our deeper conversation of today? Yeah. So this one goes back a little ways. We had planned to talk about this a while ago and never got to it. So someone I follow on Facebook put this quote on there. That says the entrance fee into long-term deep community and friendship is surrendering minor opinions and preferences. Opinionated people tend to be lonely people. And I wanted to talk about that, specifically that last point. Opinionated people tend to be lonely people. 
Is that something mm-hmm. that you found to be true? Yeah, this is interesting. I had read this when you sent it to me. And but when you write again, what really stuck out to me is this line of surrendering minor opinions and preferences. Mm-hmm. And I think the author of this or the writer of this tweet or Facebook post was probably pretty had a good reasoning for why he chose the word minor or that he added the word minor and thought that you need to surrender all opinions or all preferences. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's a part of this conversation that could be what can be considered minor and major kind of a thing. The question I think rises out of this is opinionated people tend to be lonely. Whose fault is that? Who's doing the isolation? Mm. Is it the people with opinions are withdrawing themselves or is it people that are kind of pushing out people with big opinions, getting in the way of community, potentially a relationship? Yeah, to me, I don't know. I think there's this desire for us to live in harmony that suggests that the easiest way for us to get to harmony is to set aside everything that makes us an individual. All of our opinions, all of our preferences, all of our likes and dislikes, to set that aside and so that we fit into some sort of homogenous group. And when I first read this, that's what stuck out to me, that I don't think we need to sacrifice our opinions and preferences to live in a community. I think that our preferences and opinions make that community that much better because we are individuals who can come together as a whole and be something more than the sum of the parts. Really for me, this hinges on what do we mean by surrender? Does that mean that I no longer have that opinion or that that Mm -hmm. opinion no longer becomes a barrier to me living with my brothers and sisters? The call here is deep community and friendship, that there's this heavy sense of relationship. There's this heavy sense of burden shared within this community. In order to be in deep community, there's trust. So I think there's this kind of call to both ends of it. I mean, we all have opinions, so it's not like we're just on one side or the other side. We're on both sides at the same time. But I think there's this call to one, are you letting your opinions get in the way of connecting with other people yeah like as as funny as it is as we talked about the barbie movie in the same podcast am i gonna keep my opinion about the barbie movie from hindering entering relationship with people who just didn't like the movie or had didn't like the movie for political reasons or whatever it may be now i think like there's some people in my family who didn't necessarily care for the movie for maybe political opinions obviously i'm not going to end relationships with them because of that Mm mm-hmm but I think at the same time, like I can moderate my Barbie opinion on the Barbie movie to enter into a relationship with them. Like if, if I know that they have differing opinions than I do, I don't necessarily need to be talking about it every single time with them and trying to convince them of my point of view. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you taught me when we lived in college together. It was I still remember it. I think it might have been our freshman year. It was definitely early on. We were in a debate or something like that, or I was... Either you and I were in a debate about something or I was sharing with you and processing a debate I had with someone else about something that was important to me. And you just said, Zach, I think you and I come into debates with different mindsets. You're like, I'm not coming into this conversation to change your mind, but you seem to be in this conversation to try to change mine. Hmm. And just to let you know, if you enter into any type of difficult conversation or debate with that mindset, you will always feel like you lost because you probably aren't going to change their mind in one debate, in one conversation. Mm -hmm. And that has stuck with me for, I mean, what, eight, eight, nine years now? It's it's been that long. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> There's this, yeah, what, 20 fall 2015? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I get, yeah, eight years. And I think like that's where we are with our opinions. I think there's an arrogance in it of I want to fix you. You're mm-hmm. wrong. So let me change your mind so you can get better. And then and I'm not going to sit here and say that all opinions are right. That's not true. But I think we sh- cut short the effectiveness of long-term relationship with people to be able to then start to alter yeah. and give them insight into why you think what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even in just not approaching with the purpose of altering, but to share and Mm -hmm. provide an alternative perspective. So going back to this quote, opinionated people tend to be lonely people. I think what he's trying to say here is that we shouldn't be people defined by our opinions. Hmm. When someone looks at you, they shouldn't see that guy really likes the Barbie movie. And if I go over there and I, and I talk to him right now, he's going to shove Margot Robbie down my throat. You know, he just, he really likes that movie and he can't stop talking about it. Having opinions is part of what makes you human, but Mm -hmm. you don't want anyone to look at you and say, oh, that's an opinionated person. That's a hardline person that I know that I can't be honest with. I can't go talk with because they're going to throw themselves at me. Well, I think I'm going to give you the classic, like, you know, Christian pushback of, well, my faith is not an opinion. Mm-hmm. It's fact. And it's not minor. It's major. Mm-hmm. And I need and am called to share the gospel and everything that I say and do. So what do I do then, Cole? There is a healthy and respectful way to enter into those conversations. If you go up to somebody, let's go back to the Barbie movie. Let's do it. If you go up to somebody and you say, what do you think of the Barbie movie? Do you want to talk about the Barbie movie? I'd love to hear your perspective on the Barbie movie. If you go up to them and you're gentle and sincere and open to what they have to say, I think that would be perceived well. And if you walk away from that conversation, I don't think that person will turn around and say, that's a hardline, very opinionated individual. I think they'll turn around and say, I think that was a good conversation. I may disagree. I think the Barbie movie was just okay, but I thought I had a good conversation with him. I think the same message goes for sharing the gospel or sharing your faith or anything that you feel is more than just an opinion, is that approaching those conversations with humbleness with a genuine desire to learn and to interact Mm. and to meet the other person where they are will be infinitely more powerful than Mm. you going up and blasting your perspective on why Billie Eilish should win an award for her song in Barbie. And I think where where this post gets at is can we have differentiating opinions and be in deep community with each other? And I think what we've been talking about is Can we really, as people, create safe spaces within relationship for other people to have differing opinions? And that's where I wonder, and there's so much we could talk about society and culture of maybe we're moving away from that. Why are we moving away from that? And we see it even within the Christian faith itself, where we have like these different denominations that are not very good at Christian unity, where we allow our opinions to be so important to us, our doctrines, our thoughts on was Calvin right? Was Wesley right? When Matthew 16, did Jesus build his rock on Peter or what? Like these things just become so important to us. And I think 
when we hold it so important, not that, not that our beliefs are bad or that they should be unimportant, but we allow them to become barriers into relationship with those around us. Mm-hmm. And we enter into conversations like I did my freshman year with you where I'm right, you're wrong. And if we're going to have this conversation, I am going to fix you. I'm going to change you. Yeah. And really, you were entering that conversation from a much healthier space of, I respect Zach for the opinion he has. I respect the opinion I have myself. I want to hear Zach's opinion. I remember you setting a space. I didn't feel interrupted. I didn't feel hurt. I didn't feel unheard. I felt like you didn't listen to me. I think where I got frustrated was I felt like if I was being listened that I should have changed you. Like if you're really listening to me, then you would have changed your mind. But that's arrogance on my end. That's why just because you heard what I said doesn't mean everything needs to change all of a sudden. Yeah. And and that's where I think we can do a lot better as a community of people is, oh, I, as long as they heard me, as long and as long as when we're actively listening, we can communicate, hey, did I hear you correctly? This is what you said. And we can affirm that with them. And then we can still go on and make the decision we want to make or or feel is best or keep our opinion. And I think yeah. that's healthy within community. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think surrendering minor opinions and preferences in this context means not letting them hold you from the community that you're trying to be a part of. Mm. And meeting people where they are, listening to people, interacting with them in a genuine heartfelt way. That's how we remain people that have opinions, that have minor preferences, but that don't let those define us. And I think this is really big when it comes to my ecclesiology and my missiology, when it comes to sharing the beauty and the fullness of Christ, is it can't be a believe, behave, belong mindset. We can't wait for people to believe and then start behaving until they finally belong in our community. Mm. It needs to be belong and then they believe, and then they'll start to behave. I mean, that's, I mean, Jesus calls us to himself and enters into relationship with people before they even make commitments to him yeah, or recognize him as savior. And then when they do, then there's this kind of call towards who he is as a Christ. And so if we're creating communities of belonging, then we're setting the stage for people to believe because they see the authentic Jesus within us in that. Because that's who he was. He created spaces of belonging for people who hadn't felt like they had those spaces beforehand. Or even when they did, they found a more pure sense of that. They found a, a deeper community within that. And we have to remember, and I'm going I'm to start preaching here, Cole, so start writing this down. We have to recognize who was amongst Jesus, who his disciples. I mean, you had a Roman tax collector. You had a zealot uh, who was against the Roman people, fishermen, people who wouldn't have been considered worthy of following other rabbis in their schooling. And so people from different ends, I mean, obviously someone who betrays him, someone who denies him, and they're in this community together. They start this church together. Yeah. And so the call is if, especially when it comes to unity of faith, if we have Jesus in common, all the other marks of personality and marks of demographic tend to be less important. Mm Mm-hmm. The idea that you need to believe and behave before you belong leaves people on the outside feeling like everybody on the inside is homogenous. Mm. They they all have the same opinions. They all have the same preferences. And when we invite people to belong, 
before they believe and behave, they get to witness that the people on the inside are not homogenous. This is a community of diverse people trying Mm -hmm. to live together. And we can break down that barrier of like, oh, I don't belong here because everybody over there on the other side looks different than me. They behave different than me. But if we invite them in, then those differences break down and they can see the, Mm -hmm. the individuals on the inside and how different each of them are from each other in their opinions and preferences, even though they share this overarching defining feature of being a believer. Cool. That's so good, man. I could go on for hours about the call of the church in this. Like when it comes to the hospitality of the church, when it comes to the spaces of the church, when it comes to the evangelism of the church. Oh, I just have so many thoughts. We could, I, we have to just do another episode at some point. Yeah, we should just, we should start a podcast. We should start a podcast. Sorry, Uh, Biden. We have too much to talk about. (laughs) And someday we'll pick a nice theme song that goes with all of it. Hmm. Have you ever heard of the song? It's 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 a little less known, but have you ever heard of the song Barbie Girl? Mm. See, I just don't really feel like that represents me. As much as I feel like a Barbie girl, some days I wake up and I think, Cole, you're just not a Barbie girl. Yeah, I haven't I haven't felt that yet. I've just woken up with Barbie girl mentality all the time. Okay. It's in everything I do at this point. The movie has become my life. Yeah. It is no longer a minor opinion for me. Actually, it's a major opinion. It's <laughs> it's my everything. Oh, boy. Well, before we get too far off rail, thank you all for listening and for coming along with us in that conversation. We will be back next week with more yeah. hot takes about movies and yeah. deep conversations. See you, everybody.